Welcome to the Writer Showcase Podcast. I'm Phil Nasons, and I'm the host of this podcast, brought to you by the authors and you, the listening public. You won't hear any commercials or advertisements because this podcast is funded by the writers who actually appear on the show to promote their books and by you, the listening audience. If you would like to be a guest on the show or would like to support the work being done, please contact me at thewritershow.wordpress.com. That's thewritershow.wordpress.com. Tonight I'll be joined by my friend Marianne Bernal. She is a historical fiction writer. She's also a big supporter of my daily radio show. I probably couldn't do it without her and her help, and I'm very appreciative of that. But that doesn't mean she doesn't have to pay to be on this show. <laughs> anyway, please welcome my friend Marianne Bernal is on the podcast. How are you? I'm fine, Phil. How are you doing? Thanks for that great info. And yes, I do get some uh, great um, visitors coming to my uh, page to listen to your show. So keep up the good work. We we love your programs. Well, I appreciate that. Thank you very much. But uh, we're not here to talk about my programs. I think I talk about them enough, actually. <laughs> but what we hear about, and folks, uh, Marianne's been here a couple of times already. But she's written a historical fiction, I guess we might as well call it what it is, a franchise. Correct. That's five, it. Five books. Let me see if I can get them off the top of my head. See if the fever doesn't get in my way here. Okay, go for it. The Britain in the Dane Timeline. That's the latest one coming up. Yep. The Britain and the Dane Concordia. Correct. The Britain and the Dane Trilogy. Correct. And that's it. No, we'll name the three books in the trilogy. Oh, <laughs> now that's that you got me there. Uh, okay. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll do that. We'll do that in a minute here, but uh, you got me there. Okay, but I you just did call it good. trilogy. Oh, that's fine. That's fine. I give you an A for effort. <laughs> yeah, I can barely see the page here, but it's all good. It's really, it is. It's all good. The Britain and the Dane timeline is your latest release. Now, right. why timeline? How does that fit in with the franchise? Okay, um, what I decided to do um, uh, initially uh, with the very first title, it was always supposed to be Gwyneth and Eric's story. And what happened was um, all of a sudden all these secondary characters were you know, demanding more screen time. And I ended up um, with all these different subplots and everybody wanted their story told. And uh, even though... I kept Gwyneth and Eric, you know, in the mainstream, you know, flowing through the, the story. It was very apparent that I, there was no way I was going to be able to do this in one book. And then one book became two. The second uh, book in the series is Birthright. And then Legacy uh, finishes it off. So they do run through the whole, you know, uh, three books, but it, it was never dedicated to them. So what I decided to do, I, I really felt bad on that. So I said, okay, we're going to give Gwyneth and Eric their own story. But a lot of it was covered in the, in the uh, you know, in the trilogy. And what kind of new material could I do here? So then I decided, well, what if Gwyneth is a, a modern young lady and she gets zapped back in time and meets Eric? And, and now we do have Gwyneth and Eric, uh, you know, their story. But we're set in a different time period. We're going to fast forward 200 years and I'm, I'm going to be in England before the Norman invasion. And, and we have a storyline running through. And 
what what you see in this book, which is different from my other stories, you get a lot of uh, current information in there. When Gwyneth, like uh, you know, she'll talk back. Oh, I wish I had my uh, my um, a camera because this would be a beautiful picture to take, and so on and so forth. And then I will do like comparisons. Oh, uh, this street reminds me of uh, the bakery on on High Street, or I wonder if uh, Robin Hood sap tree is uh, uh, you know is his uh, his big oak is a uh, sapling. Or, or where is it? Because, you know, in her time period, the tree is, you know, uh, in 2066, it's a big old oak that, you know, visitors, when they go to Nottingham and Robin Hood country, they go visit. So I make little, uh, you know, uh, back and forth references there. And I start out in, in uh, 2066 and uh, we're, uh, you know, we're talking about her because she's a, a professor and she's, uh, uh, you know, does um, archaeological digs and so on. So that's how the storyline develops and then we have to, you know, she's transported back. I, I want you to read the book. So um, I, I'm not going to give away all the little secrets, but she uh, just suffices to say she gets back there and then their life goes on. And the reason uh, that she is there is um, Eric's line dies out unless she can do something about it. So what is she going to do? And basically that's the whole story. And then does she get back into, you know, um, does she come back to time, or does she end up dying in in uh, 1066? Okay, you you basically breeze through all my questions already, and that'll be the end of this podcast. I'm sorry. No, it's okay. Uh, it happens. You Listen, know what? I'm from New York. We talk fast. You know. Yeah, that. I learned not to. I've been in Greece too long. But uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. No, uh, no, no. What are you sorry about? It's okay. Now let's 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 backtrack a little bit here. Okay. Since I got past page two here. <laughs> um, this book is dedicated to fallen U.S. soldiers. Yes. Now, I'm a big supporter of the armed forces. I yes. have my daily show on armed forces radio, and right. I'll plug it again. It's the only daily show on armed forces radio. Right. Thank you for doing that because our armed forces really appreciate your support. I'll tell you what. They listen to the sports show like crazy. They write to me. It's it's amazing, and they're great people. But you dedicated your book to some fallen soldiers, and then you generalized that you were specific about the couple soldiers, and then you generalized it to all of our soldiers, all of our service men and women stationed all around the globe. Now, why is that so important to you? Because freedom is not free, and the general public tends to forget that. Um, you you can't take for granted uh, our, our freedoms without a, a cost, and 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 people don't realize, uh, you know, if, if it's not uh, you know forefront in their minds, like say during World War II, where we were fighting for our freedom, and uh, yes, so you know everybody was supporting the the troops per se because this was a major big uh, you know uh, world war, and everybody was involved. But you know, there there's still wars that go on. They're they're not you know to that extent. They're smaller wars, but our servicemen still serve. They still get deployed. They still die. They still get injured. They still get wounded. Uh, you know, they uh, there there's all this um, you know stuff going on that the general public uh, seems to forget because it doesn't make a headline news. And then you have the the plight of the military family. You know, these people. Uh, they don't know what's going on when their um, loved ones are deployed. And it's a very stressful period in time. And, and they really need all the support 
that uh, you know uh, our country can give them. And it's not just our country; it's also the UK, uh, you know, France, uh, Germany, any place that has you know the military, you know, supporting uh, the country and keeping everybody safe. And and it, and it's a big job, and people shouldn't take these people for granted. And I don't want anybody to forget that. Yeah, that's very important. You know, there's nothing stronger than the heart of a volunteer. Right. And that's what, and we're all, we're talking about the United States Armed Forces here. I don't know anything about any of the other ones. I just, I, I meet some of them because they come to the resort in Corfu on their way to Afghanistan or wherever they're being deployed next right. or on their way out. Right. But anyhow, yeah, it's important. And I think it's great that you did that. Thank now, you. Now, you, you mentioned some of the timeline characters mm-hmm. and that they're found in some of these, in, in the other books within the franchise. Uh, no, not in timeline, because timeline we're uh, two hundred years after the trilogy is finished. Okay, so these so are all new people. These are all new people, and it's Gwyneth and Eric, but it's not the same Gwyneth and Eric from the original The Britain and the Dane. Oh, okay. okay. Maybe I should have read more than four pages, but uh, anyhow, <laughs> I, well, I, well, I just stopped at the uh, dedication. I thought that was enough for me. Okay. That was good enough. Okay. I would have okay. bought it just because of that. But okay. Uh, Honestly, uh, so the one thing that I wanted to ask you, though, is that you start the book in 2066, mm-hmm. but the timeline obviously is 1066, right? We're going back in time. Right. So, so, so you're there. going backwards. This is yes. a departure from the other books that you've written. Why did you decide to do that? Uh, I, I, because I wanted to take an original uh, uh, look onto the story. I, I didn't want to stay back in Alfred the Great's time because we've... Uh, um, uh, the complete trilogy plus Concordia were still in the in the reign of Alfred the Great in the ninth century, and I wanted to uh, bring in some new historical material. And I, I do like um, uh, you know the William the Conqueror story, and 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 there's a lot of good material there because um, Edward is going to die without uh, issue, and oh my gosh, now we're contending for the throne. So you got a lot of good uh, plotting in there and treachery and so on. Like uh, you know we have the Norwegian threat, uh, uh, and then you have, uh, you know, William the Bastard and everybody wants that throne. So there's all kinds of, you know, um, subterfuge and everything going on there. And, and, and it's, a, it's a good storyline to throw in some characters and see, you know, is the good guy going to win? Who, and then that's another thing, too, which I really uh, like. Uh, Gwyneth knows the history because she, she's read it, you know, she teaches it and so on. So she knows what's going to happen. And here's your, you know, your Star Trek uh, dilemma coming in there. How much do you tell? Uh, and, uh, you know, what, what do you do? Do not interfere with the timeline because then, you know, uh, uh, the paradox is, you know, you're going to go back in time to meet your uh, grandfather and uh, or you can go back in time and, and kill your grandfather or whatever. And then you're never born. And then that messes up the whole timeline. And I just love the Star Trek paradoxes. And that was in the back of my mind when I, I wrote this story for for the timeline. That sounds great. Now, um, if there were three things that you would want the listener to know about this book, what would they be? Okay, this one. This one is uh, uh, it's modern, uh, contemporary stuff interwoven with historical stuff. So the reader's going back and forth. So if uh, you know, it's to um, you know get new a new audience in there to get them interested in history, where you have some modern stuff going on, and then you have the historical stuff. So you know, to try and get them to uh, get a love for history, uh, whether they're into uh, um, you know um, Anglo-Saxon Wessex or or uh, you know uh, medieval England or France or whatever, just to get an interest in history, because if people really listen to uh, 
the um, you know what happened in history and try to learn from it, maybe our, our country would be in a better place and half of these wars would stop. It's very good. And I think you should get out and get this book, folks. Now, when will it be available? Is it available now or is it available in a couple of days? It's going to be available within a fortnight, which is two weeks. Um, I'm just waiting on um, the, the uh, proof. As soon as I approve that, it'll be available. Um, uh, I'm looking at maybe, I don't, I don't know when this is going to air, but uh, within, um, it'll be out uh, by, I would say, um, um, January 25, 26, somewhere in there. So to be safe, look for it around the 1st of February, right? Yeah, but it, it should be soon. And of course, uh, you know, all links and everything will be on my webpage, uh, and, and uh, I'll, I'll post that information on Pinterest and my blog and Twitter and Facebook and Google Plus. So all the information will be out there. And your website is MaryAnnBernal.com, right? Correct. And everything is there on that website. It is. In fact, yes. it's. It, it, you know what? And and I, I'm going to kind of go off on a rabbit trail here for a minute. Okay. But that's one of my pet peeves: is is, is authors who don't even have a website of their own. I mean, Facebook isn't a website. No. <laughs> and, no. How can I research you? You know, I get a lot of requests. Uh -huh. And they tell me how many books they've sold and blah, 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 and all this nonsense. And yet they don't even have their own webpage. And, and that's important, isn't it? Yes, it is. It's very important because if somebody's going to type in your name, they have to be able to find you. And, and if you type in my name, my, the very first uh, uh, entry is maryambernal.com, the official webpage of author Mary Ann Bernal, author of the Britain in the Day and series. That's important. And, and yeah, absolutely. They didn't do that with me, too, unfortunately. But uh, <laughs> so, I, I try not to be found. But the best thing is if you can do, because some people can, uh, to make sure that your name is available, because, you know, there's more than one Mary Ann Bernal out there. Uh, I, I found that out when I, uh, you know, so just like I'm sure there's another Phil Nason's out there somewhere, you know, so uh, if the name is taken, then you got to come up with an alternate. But fortunately, uh, Mary Ambrinal was available. So I, you know, went with because that's what you want. People are going to remember Mary Ambrinal. And I didn't want to go with the Britain and the Dane because what, you know, I do also write um, other stuff. I do short stories and that's all contemporary work. And, and, you know, so I'm a, I'm a writer. I'm not, you know, the Britain and the Dane. That's part of me, but it's not all of my, my work. So it's very important just to have my name. And then you find everything else. And if you go on my webpage, I have a tab for everything. Uh, I have all links. So you click on a link, you can become a fan. You can uh, join me on Pinterest. You can, you know, um, the blog, all, all those links are there. I have separate tabs for my short stories, separate tabs for my novels, separate tabs for my book trailers. Um, I have also, um, um, I'm going to jump ahead, but and we'll talk about this later. But I have a, a separate tab for my film project, which I will discuss when we finish this part of it. And um, um, also background information. I have a references tab where you can print off uh, a character list maps. I have a, a glossary that's also you can uh, print off. And then um, I also have discussion questions. If anybody's in a book club and they you know want some questions about what to discuss about the book, I have discussion questions for all my work too. So everything that you do is on your site. Right. Yeah, mine right. too, uh, except for the uh, WordPress stuff, but that's for my iTunes feed. But I have everything in one place too because I freelance, right? And I mm -hmm. have a page with all the fresh links, and I can just send anyone who I'm pitching to to that page. There it all is right there, all that's my right. stuff, here, here, and here. It's updated. I have all my video stuff. Obviously, I have my shows up there. 
But it's right. important to have all that there because in this world where there's so easy to publish mm -hmm. and it's so difficult to pitch, mm -hmm. you know, a, a publisher isn't going to go on a hunt and peck search. No, no. They don't do That's that. And then I also have a tab in there called In the News where I uh, upload a, a link plus a PDF copy of uh, every interview or, um, uh, you know, program that I'm on like this one that you will be listed there when I get all the information. Uh, it'll be in the news and that's archived because, you know, so if anybody wants to know, well, what have you done in the last three years? <laughs> go to go to in the news. It's all archived. It's all there because everything that, um, uh, you know, uh, any of my appearances or anything I post. And, and what I do is, um, you know, with uh, Adobe, Adobe Acrobat, you, you can make a PDF uh, uh, from a, a web page uh, URL. And that's what I do, because sometimes if somebody does have a, a URL there uh, and if it's not archived, well, then you lose the interview, but not if you have the PDF attached to, to the uh, uh, post, which is what I do. And that's exactly the way it should be. That way, when we look for things, we can find them. And That's we don't right. have to pester people and write 100 emails. That's right. So I, I'm very organized in case you didn't notice. Yeah, I, I am too, and uh, for the most part. I just can't figure out how to get the RSS feed on my uh, philnasons.com site. I'm not that technologically savvy when it comes to that stuff. Okay. And that's why I have those iTunes WordPress sites. Because mm -hmm. that's all those are. They're, that's all they are. You know that. That's right. <laughs> because we know each other a long time. That's the only thing I use it for. But anyhow, we we chased down that rabbit, and that okay. was good. Now, the Britain and the Dane Concordia, mm -hmm. uh, if, if I'm not mistaken, that made I, – I put out a top ten list of books yes. for 2013, and yes. I believe that made number three. Yes, you did. You, I'm so happy you love that story. And yeah, I, and that's the one I read from cover to cover in one night during a power outage. That's right. That's right. And and you also said that I blew you away with the ending, which we can't reveal because it'll spoil it. But I'm so delighted that I, I did that because that was the goal. I didn't want you to see anything coming. And I didn't. And it was fantastic. <laughs> but now, now, the thing is, is, and that's part of this series, too, although it's a standalone. Right. It's not part of the trilogy. Right. It right, could easily be incorporated because some of those characters are actually in the trilogy series, right? That's correct, because what happens is uh, Concordia is of age in her book, of course, but she's uh, three years old when the trilogy ends. So, uh, again, and this uh, her story takes place the year before Alfred the Great dies, and uh, he dies in 899. So, and what's different with this, uh, okay, we do have some, uh, we do reference, but I don't go into too much detail with, uh, because this is her story now, and I did not permit any other the characters to have their own stories, because I was not going to do another uh, trilogy with Concordia. She wanted her own story she was very demanding in my head and we just went for it and everybody else got you know pushed aside but there are minor references to uh um you know uh characters from the the trilogy some of the children uh were grown up of course and uh you know some of the other characters are referenced but generally just the characters that were in her lineage so there's still ample um material for me that i can carry uh stories about like what happened to um you know, David, um, after the trilogy ends, that's, you know, one of Gwyneth's brothers. And then uh, Stephen, uh, uh, of course, is referenced in Concordia because uh, 
uh, Stephen is uh, the father. So his storyline gets told in there. But there's tons of stories that can be told, just like in the Star Wars franchise after, um, you know, George Lucas finished it. There's a lot of uh, authors out there that write little subplot stories. And there's, you know, like what happens to Princess Leia and she marries Han and they have the kids. And if you look at if you go to the sci fi a section there's the Star Wars, there's the original, uh, you know, story, uh, you know, the six stories there, but then you have all these other titles about Han running, uh, you know, across the universe and, and so on and so forth. So technically it's the same thing that's um, it's going to happen with this franchise. So that that's my long range goal. Yeah, because it seems to me that you could slide Concordia into the time or into the uh, trilogy just as easily as you could take her out and keep it as a standalone. That's right. And then That's spin right. off from that, too, if you really wanted to. I suppose you could. Right. Because there's so, some it could, the ending and, and the people who were left, <laughs> that, <laughs> they would make interesting stories, too, I suppose. But, That's right. Uh, but if you wanted people to know three things about Concordia in that book, what would those be? Okay, well, uh, this is a coming of age, so therefore, you know, and, and this is what's interesting, just because it's, you know, back in the in the ninth century, does that mean that her emotions and what she has to deal with is any different than what happens with kids today? Uh, and, and, and that's what is important, like, you know, uh, a young adult coming of age can see a lot of their, themselves in, in how she behaves. So that, so that would be one thing to get it in with the modern reader. And then, uh, you know, of course, the, um, uh, the emotional um, uh, development and growth. I mean, everything, uh, again, what she experiences, kids experience today. And, and that's important for them to see it. Plus, also, um, I also go into, uh, this book is different in that a lot of the action is in Muslim Hispania and, and um, the plight of any uh, Christians living in that country, because technically at that time, depending on where you were, some of them, uh, some of the areas were more tolerant than others, but very dangerous to live in that country as a Christian because you were literally um, killed for your religion. So uh, this was, uh, a, you know, uh, very important uh, for um, the, the character development uh, because uh, she had to come to terms with that, like she couldn't profess her true religion uh, for fear of her uh, losing her life. And then we bring in, you know, the missionary um, uh, priests that are in there and so on. So it's, you, you've got this religious conflict going on and then you have, um, you know, uh, piracy and, um, you know, all the normal stuff, plaguing pilgrims going to Rome. So that's brought in there because th there's a lot of that today where, you know, some uh, areas are very dangerous to travel and you have to be very careful. So it, it shows you that the world, even though this is written a long time ago, and, you know, in a time frame back then, nothing really much has changed. And and uh, you still have the deployed military back then, like you do here. Uh, the only thing, the difference back then was, I mean, you could, it would take years maybe to find out what happened to your soldier, or you may never know at all. You know, I, I mean, if, if uh, somebody is deployed and say the whole unit is wiped out, there's nobody to bring back the information that all was lost. So you got to take, you know, how did that affect the people growing up? What, what was their, you know, thinking? What was the stress level? You know, all this is very important. And I, I shed light on all of that and all my stories, basically, on the plight of the warrior. You know what? When uh, I, I don't know if you caught this one, but uh, a few weeks ago, I had my friend Michael Noonan on the show. Mm -hmm. And we were talking about this Christian pastor okay. who was in prison in Iran. His name is Saeed Abedini. Right. 
Right. And, and I thought about the storyline that you had with Concordia at that time, too, because you touched on it. It's the same thing. And it, it, the thing about Concordia is that story, maybe it was set in 900 uh, AD. Eight, nine, uh, yeah, 898. Yeah, okay. Well, we're right in there somewhere, you know. My okay. mathematics is about as good as my <laughs> That's reading. That's right. That's right. But uh, anyhow, those stories translate today. It's just, just the same. As much as things have changed, mm -hmm. a lot of them haven't. That's right. And it was a good story, and it was a very difficult topic. There's no question about that. Now, availability of Concordia, is this still in its first printing, or is it yes, in its it's second? Still, it, uh, no, it's, um, it's available um, on, um, it's uh, in, currently at, uh, you know, Barnes & Noble, Amazon, all online bookstores, uh, um, print and uh, electronic versions. And we'll have links to uh, the, at least the paperback, version of the Amazon. Right. Well, probably what we'll do, because there's five books here, is we'll just but, leave your Amazon main page. My, you can leave my Amazon author page, or you can leave my web page, because there's links, you know, if they go to my novels tab and just click on the link, it, it brings you, you can purchase right on from, you know, it'll bring you right to Amazon. And there uh, you go, and that's what we'll do then. See, yeah, that one-stop shop is important. That's right. That's right. One stop shopping. You just go right <laughs> to my webpage, go to the tab, and you can buy any. You know, you can buy all of my books, and then also my. Uh, can I interject my my uh, short stories too? Because um, hey, um, you know what? It's your dime. You can do whatever you wish. Okay. Uh, again, on the short stories <laughs> tab, it, it shows a little bit because I'm included in anthologies, um, the Independent Author Index compilation. Uh, and I do have a few more that have been accepted for publication, and those should be um, out this year. So uh, people could look for updates. And all those are contemporary stories. And um, uh, I, like one of the titles, uh, Murder in the First, and um, I have um, Escape from Berlin is uh, coming soon. That, that's my, my ultimate favorite spy story. It's a short story that will be included in uh, Independent Author Index compilation. And you love, I, I just love my spies, especially James Bond. So, but this is a down-to-earth, nitty-gritty spy, uh, my character. So um, I, I'll, I'll give you a heads up when that's finally uh, out there. But uh, that information is also there. So uh, again, and uh, clicking on the, on the, uh, the picture, uh, get you to the page with a little background information, and then you just click on the you know, link to purchase the you know the book. What do you think is the biggest challenge to writing short stories? Because I've had authors that have come on this uh, program and on my sports show who've done uh, short stories, and they're very good. They're very difficult. What do you find the greatest challenge? Uh, getting people, uh, people, uh, it, it's very hard. Um, if you put it in an anthology, uh, a lot of the anthologies really don't sell uh, that well. Uh, and depending on like the topic, uh, some of them um, sell better than others, but uh, it's, a, it's a hard sell. You're better off trying to uh, publish a short story individually. But um, I, I'm, my next project, what I, I'm considering is doing an anthology, but I haven't really done enough research yet to see if it's more uh, viable to publish each of the stories I plan to do separately or not. I, I'm going to uh, delve into that further. Um, I've uh, never really heard um, how successful uh, anthologies are in a, uh, versus, uh, you know, posting it one at a time, um, publishing it to see. I, I, again, I'm, I'm not thoroughly researched on that because uh, that's been on a back burner for me. 
So um, I could technically, uh, you know, do them uh, initially one at a time and then combine them into an anthology and re-release it that way. But uh, uh, short stories are very good. Hollywood does pick them up because if, if you notice some of the credits, it'll say based on a sh uh, short story by. And one day that's going to be based on a short story by Marianne Bernal because I have a lot of good short stories in my head. And um, we just have to keep plugging away until I get the right fit. Well, we wish you luck with that. Now, when do, where did you come up with the overall idea for the Britain and the Dane? Oh, okay. Um, I fell in love with the, the time period after I was a very impressionable kid and Hollywood was really gung-ho back then in those days. And we had those big uh, blockbusters, uh, you know, Kirk Douglas and the Vikings and Knights of the Round Table, King Arthur and all this other stuff. And I'm, I'm a young little impressionable kid and I, I had to write my Eric the Viking novel. And Eric's been in my head for like over 20 years. And, you know, I had to wait until life happened and finished happening that I got some spare time that I was able to sit down and start to write the, the story. But then, as I told you, um, it started out as Gwyneth and Eric. And then the next thing I know, all these other characters are demanding more time. And, and it just became this big involved, um, you know, um, saga, which is, uh, you know, of blockbuster proportion. Uh, and uh, that's what I'm trying to do is I want to try and uh, get the story on the big screen because it belongs there. Okay, that sounds really good to me. Um, now, how did you know it was going to be a series, though? How did you actually know? It's not about the voices inside your head. How did you know? No, I was just, it was just going to be one book. <laughs> and that was the funny part. One book. And then the next thing I know, oh, my God, now I got Sertic in here. And, and, and I got... Um, uh, Jor is coming in there, and then there's Helga, and all these people are coming and saying, "No, you got to tell my story too." And and that's and the whole thing just, just uh, you know, uh, blossomed into this big, you know, um, uh, saga. You know, the, you know, when you see the blockbusters, uh, you know, the uh, cast of thousands. Well, that's my story. It became a cast of thousands, and and I just went with it. I, I mean, the words just kept flowing down on the page, and I, I at times I couldn't write fast enough to get everything out there because I had all these people demanding to do this and that, and that's what I ended up doing. So my one little story, my, my, my one goal in life was to write my book, and I've succeeded and surpassed that goal because I've already written five, plus my short stories. That sounds pretty good. Now, do you have a producer for this film? Because you talked about a film. And... No. Uh, what we're what what I've done. Uh, this is very exciting. I um, was um, introduced to a um, a screenwriter, Colin uh, Stewart, and he's a um, an award winning film and theater director, uh, an award winning film producer and screenwriter, and he recently com uh, completed the the screenplay. Um, we are now in the process of looking for producers, investors, financers, because um, this is a, a real blockbuster type uh, story. And um, the, the script, uh, Colin was very good and he did say um, very close to, to the storyline. So, you, you know, um, the story is there. And uh, again, it's because of the enormous, uh, you know, it's a... a the, the uh, geographic uh, locations are big because we're in Denmark, we're in England, um, you know, and um, there's also, you know, Rome is referenced. So, and we're in, the, like I said, in the ninth century. So you, you've got, uh, you know, major uh, location shots that need to be done. And then of course there's the costuming and all this. So this is a multi big budget uh, production. So 
where you know it's uh, I'm I'm out there trying to um, you know find the um, the right fit to get this thing produced, and I've been sending out uh, query letters and the Z cards to uh, people that are involved um, in the um, genre. And um, again, as in all things, it's uh, just a matter of time before somebody um, you know. Um, you know, is interested in, in doing this. It, this, you know, if you if you look at um, the History Channel's Vikings, I mean, it is done. The, this project can be done because um, History Channel did do it, and the uh, Vikings series is very successful. And and my storyline, um, uh, I I'm different than with the Vikings because they were, um, that part was taken with. Uh, when they first invaded Lindenfarn way back, you know, that's a couple hundred years before my storyline. So my storyline, you know, it's a different ball game, but, you know, you, you still have the drama, you still have the uh, treachery, deception and war conquest and everything. So and then and then there's the emotional involvement with all the characters. So, uh, uh, you know, like if you think of uh, Tristan and Isolde with um, uh, James Franco uh, and uh, Sophia Miles. Uh, in that situation where you have the interaction of the characters, well, I, I picture them in my storyline, uh, you know, too, where you have this interaction. So so there's enough material and everything, and, and the interest is there. So it's just a matter of uh, trying to find the right person to get this thing produced. Okay, the when you say the interest, is it the interest in your specific script, or is it just the no, topic at large? Uh, the topic at large, um, you know, th there is an interest for it. So, you know, the script, uh, you know, should get looked at because it, it falls within the, the time frame of, uh, uh, you know, uh, stuff that people are um, interested in, um, you know, looking at, like on TV, because, uh, or or even, all right, look in, in, in the movies, you have Thor is um, out there, and then, um, I don't know if you saw Valhalla Rising or... Uh, uh, Pathfinder, Outlander, you know, and then there was Beowulf, and I, and then I found out recently that the Sci-Fi Channel is trying to come up with a series for Beowulf on on TV. So uh, again, the topic is a good one. It's not like it's something far out in, in outer space, you know, because some people say, oh, historical fiction, uh, and, and they they run away from it. But historical fiction has a little niche. It might be small right now, but it's there. So uh, I, I I'm trying to get you know uh, trying to find the right uh, people to um, you know see my uh, script, read it, and and get this thing on the big screen. Yeah, that sounds great. Now, has there been any type of reaction from Hollywood or from? Uh, uh, my script uh, currently is um, uh, being uh, viewed by two producers that, but I haven't heard back anything yet. But um, I was told that, uh, you know, the normal procedure is you don't hear back right away. So, but in the meantime, you keep out uh, plugging away, and, and you know, and you keep looking. And, and where do you look exactly? Where uh, would you, where is it? that Mary Ann Bernal hunts for her producer. I hunt for my producers. There, There's a, um, there's a book out there uh, that lists all the uh, producers in Hollywood studios with their uh, mailing address and email addresses and, you know, of course, the general phone uh, numbers. And uh, the research is what you need to do is go on the IM, uh, 
DB database, which is, um, uh, that's the one that you see where all movies are listed and TV shows and so on. And um, if you, uh, you know, you have to hunt uh, for who the producers are. So if you look up a, a particular movie and then you, um, you know, check who the producers are and then you write down which ones that, you know, they'll list the executive producers, co-producers and so on. And you get the information there. And what I've been doing is I've been trying to contact um, uh, producers that have already uh, made films in this genre, so they're aware of uh, budgets and you know what's required and so on. And um, you know we just keep plugging away, just like uh, you know regular authors, uh, you know send their manuscripts to the uh, publishing houses and wait for them to get back to them. So it's a long process and it's uh, tedious and time-consuming, but it's a labor of love, and we'll you know. We keep on plugging along because one day we'll make it. Yeah, I hope so. I hope that happens for you. Now, how can people get involved? Because you still are looking for financing as well, right? Correct, correct. So what they can do is, um, you know, uh, if they can just like write, like, okay, like if they go for uh, the a major um, um, uh, cable companies like Showtime, Stars, and so on, write their executive uh, producers, attach a link um, of my webpage, you know, maryambernal.com, and tell them that they've read the trilogy and they think that this would be a great story uh, to get on the big screen. And the more people that write with that uh, information, somebody's going to uh, sit up and say, hey, you know, we've gotten X amount of uh, people um, telling us about this book. Let's go read this book and, and, and let's contact this uh, author and see what's happening. And, and, and that's how it goes, because it just takes the one right person for uh, uh, your stuff to go viral and get it into the right hands. And that's, the, 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 that's what everybody's trying to do. And um, you plug away on it and you will succeed because you can never give up, never surrender. Do you remember who said that? I don't know. Who did? Uh, Galaxy Quest, Commander Taggart, remember? Never I, give up. Never. I, I never read Galaxy Quest. No, no, it's on the. It's in TV. Oh, I I live in Greece, so I don't see those shows. <laughs> no, it was a, it was a movie. <laughs> I, I, I have never seen that. Okay, it was a spoof on Star Trek. Ah, right. Okay. Well, I remember Star Trek the TV series. Yes, I love Star Trek. In case you didn't notice. I I noticed, but. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we here, we get to watch the Real Housewives series. Oh, please. <laughs> I love it. It, it gives me something to talk about on my sports show when, if a guest doesn't show up. Okay. I just crack on them for 15 minutes. Anyhow, okay. today was terrific. Thank you so much for being on the show with me. Oh, well, thank you very much for having me. And um, I, I wish you the best with the show. And thank you again for, you know, being there for our armed forces. Our forces. We really appreciate it. Well, and thank I, you for supporting them. I appreciate that. And I say the same thing to you. Thank you as well. Thank you. That was Marianne Bernal. And you can find her at Marianne Bernal. That's B-E-R-N-A-L dot com. And that's going to wrap it up for today's edition of the Writer Showcase podcast. Again, if you'd like to be a guest on the show, come over to thewritershow.wordpress.com. You can find me in the contact page. Thanks for listening and enjoy the reading.